0: welcome back to ranking 76 where we are ranking the heroes and villains of the american west i'm eric and i'm matt and today we're doing one of the more controversial subjects of the american west tom horn Ooh, and by controversial you mean no one knows who he is (laughs) kind of he's not really a deep cut think of him on the john wesley harden scale Oh no! Another one of those guys? No, 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 no! Not, not, not like. Uh, well, well, you'll you'll be able to tell, but think like name recognition. You won't forget him after we talk about him, but uh, he's well known. He's also pretty divisive. Um, typically, when I share his photo either on Reddit or on uh, Facebook, uh, he there's a mixed bag between. He has a lot of fans, kind of like Jesse James that either love or he has a lot of haters. So it will be interesting to see. I definitely have my side. It'll be interesting to see what side you have on him. So
1: as long as I don't get any more surprise videos in the, or surprise uh, MP3s in the editing room, we'll be
0: all right. Well, this is where I tell you my name isn't Eric. (laughs) This has been a 15 year slow burn. (laughs) But no, but we're gonna start off just a little bit differently because we we kind of have a who done it for this episode. Ooh, I love who done it. So we're gonna review and jump right up to 1901, which is really kind of I'll not say the climax of the episode, but it's up there. We're gonna start off with a 14 year old boy is now dead. He is found laying on his father's farm. He is laying face up. Shirt torn open, exposing his bullet wounds, and has a rock placed beneath his head, as if it's being used as a pillow. It is determined that 14-year-old Willie Nickel was shot, and then was able to run for about 75 yards before he ultimately collapsed. During the scene, there are 30-40 Winchester rifle rounds. There are a few footprints, size we'll say six and a half, and little else. Is all the ammo been shot or is it yes they are casings that are just lying back our job is to figure out who done it by the end now i will present you the case of tom horn are we going back in time oh yeah now do do do, do, do like the hold on hold on back in time i'll <laughs> oh, work it
1: all
0: right where are we at now I don't know, but I don't have a beard anymore. Does that clean shaven all of a sudden? So Tom Horn Jr. is born into a large family at Missouri around November 21st, 1860. His father has ups and downs in terms of success. And by success, I mean how well his land fraud claims are doing. His father, not the most likable man, really abusive, not the best to be around. He's definitely going to take a lot of anger out on Tom. However, his father does have enough of success, and for a long time, he is actually the largest landowner in Etna, Missouri, uh, until creditors start to catch up. From Tom's father would consistently beat him. Really, it seems like from a drop of a hat. In order to get away from that, Tom really developed a love for hunting. In fact, it's about the only thing he really loved about his childhood. Didn't care much for school. He loved reading dime novels, but that's as far as the reading he wanted to do. Any chance he got, he would sneak out of school. And he would go hunt. The only time he could keep him in school was when it was too cold to leave it, and it was winter. He drew a pretty quick reputation of being good with a gun. His mother loved to brag that any varmint that went into the chicken coop, Tom would quickly be sent in and it would be taken care of. However, carrying a gun sometimes has its its drawbacks. When Tom is fairly young, he sneaks away with his family revolver, and somehow it accidentally discharges and shoots a nine-year-old in the shoulder. Now, the boy survived. But you can say this is Tom Horn's first shooting victim. A shooting victim that'll be one of many. Tom also has a bit of a mischievous side. And on occasion, uh, him and his friends tried to steal some round shot from a general store. And they're caught when some of the lead from the bullets actually leaks out of Tom's pocket. Oh, whoops.
1: (laughs) How'd I get there?
0: (laughs) That had to be a big womp womp moment, wasn't it?
1: I, I told Mom to sew my pocket clothes. Dang it.
0: I'd like to think they were caught because the trail of like lead powder, somebody lit it with a match and they could follow it all the way up. It somehow like went up his pant leg and now he just has like that charcoal black face and like, I didn't steal it. What do you mean? I yeah, stole. You
1: just see behind some crates or some little poof. hairs all sticking up.
0: If he's thinking quick witted, he just says, I'm Oz. I'm the wizard of Oz. <laughs> poof of smoke. I'm a magician. Tom's family lived near a nearby immigrant train route that Tom would like to frequent. If there's one thing Tom Horn loved more than hunting, it was two things, his dog and just like talking. He lived by a nearby immigrant train route and would go out and talk to the immigrants as they were passing through. On one occasion, Tom is talking to, to a man who said that he liked to hunt with a shotgun. Tom, being a typical teenager, maybe a little bit mouthy for the better of him, says... Real men don't hunt with shotguns. Uh,
1: So not only did he like to talk, he also liked to get himself in trouble by talking. He liked to run that mouth quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, real men don't use shotguns. I could just see that guy smiling.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I love hunting, too. Dead. Close. The man actually said, do you think you're a man? Apparently, Tom thought he was. Because he challenged him to a fight and not only did the immigrant fight tom but he had some friends with him and it sounds like tom got it handed to him pretty Hey, good. if you're a man you can take me and my however many buddies right now the kicker is they didn't just take it out on tom his dog was with him
1: oh no no
0: yeah they oh sure God. did
1: they john wicked him huh
0: they did and it was said to have been tom's first heartbreak in his life is losing his dog Now, there's a different version of that story. Sometimes it's a teenager, a group of teenagers beating up Tom. Regardless, it ends up with a dead dog, and it's depressing enough. But uh, in the book by Larry D. Ball, uh, that's the story he wants with. So that's the one I went with. I just have to
1: say, those guys are ruthless. Killing a poor kid's
0: dog. Because he badmouthed you? Yeah, not great.
1: Needless to say, he went home, dug up a a chest full of guns, and went after him
0: i'll show you who the man was no they get off scot-free eh, well, you know. tom quit school at 14 and works on his family farm until 1876 1877 when again disagreements with his father and his father just being an abusive a-hole takes a straight takes a strain on tom after one beating tom has to lay in a barn for a week to recover from his wounds it's that bad it's that bad Tom decides never again. He's 16 or 17 at this point, and he leaves home as soon as he's able to get out of the barn. Not knowing where to go, he kind of does the hobo thing, and he just follows the sunset. Takes odd jobs, dressed from house to house, follows the sunset until, well, he goes to Colorado, where he tries to mine for minerals. But either didn't like it or didn't have the talent for it, so then he just moves on to Arizona until he's about 19 years old. In Arizona, Tom meets with a man named Al Seaver, who is a teamster who works as a scout in the Army in the aftermath of the Apache Wars. Now, the Apaches are an elusive group, so to be a scout after the Apaches is a pretty big job. Now, we haven't talked about Geronimo yet or Cochise, but essentially, they're masters of not leaving a trail. They're used to hiding in canyons in the mountains, and literally for 30 years, they have been evading either the Mexican government or the American government. Seaver is a well-respected man wanting to take on Tom Horn, kind of as a scout, because he sees something in this boy. What he is at this point, he doesn't know. Maybe he just needs help, but either way, he invites Horn onto his pack train service. The pack trains are a little bit more dangerous than you would initially think. They will supply literally everything the army needs. Supplies, food... Uh, ammunition, guns, so on and so forth. But what it really is, is you may as well be painting a big old target on your back from any surprise attack. If you're going to be ambushed, they're always going to go for the supply trains. So you have to be on high alert. Well, yeah, they want stuff too. Yes. And if you're going to want to hurt them where it hurts most, and if they don't have anything to fire at you because you destroyed all their weapons. Right. Tom enters in the lowest rank. But his duties expand pretty rapidly when he proves to be really good with a rifle. He quickly becomes a scout, and it turns out to be a really good scout. If there's one thing Tom is good at again, other than firing a rifle and talking about himself, he knows how to track a guy. Professionally, he does well enough to become a civilian chief of scouts. And over the next year with the army, Horn lives among the Apaches and maybe even took a wife. Now, it's not known if he takes a wife, but if he did take a wife, they possibly had a child. And just take a guess what he names his daughter. Mm, Miranda. Tomasita. I was thinking of it. I was trying to think of a girl name. Oh, He's the type of person that would name his daughter after himself. I knew I should have went with that. I just couldn't think of a name. Silly boy. Good old Tomasita. Again, don't really know. Maybe he had a wife, maybe he had a child, but he's definitely is the type of person that would name his daughter after himself. He loves himself. He sure does. Tom develops a reputation of also telling some pretty tall stories. In fact, the Apache have a nickname for him, roughly translated to loudmouth. He claims to be fluent in Apache, and that isn't true like at all. He thinks he can speak Apache. For anyone who watches King of the Hill, Peggy Hill, the substitute teacher of the year forever, thinks she teaches Spanish well, kind of the same thing. She can stumble her way around conversations, but when it comes down to it, when there's a big cat in her pants, that's when things go off the rails. He can't really speak it that well. One of the tall stories Tom liked to tell is that he claimed to be a part of the original silver claim that turned into Tombstone, Arizona. Oh, jeez. Yeah, we all know this guy.
1: Oh no, Tom's around. Here we go. What story is he got today?
0: Pretty much. Geronimo breaks out of the Apache Reservation and leaves for Mexico around 1885. Tom is recruited as an assistant scout to track him down. Tom would recall looking the area over as if it has been a war zone, because quite literally, it has kind of been a war zone for the last 30 years. When Seaver is sent back to the reservation it kind of leaves Tom Horn in charge. Probably no one was happier than Tom Horn, as he's kind of the lead scout. Even if they won't call him the lead scout, he's already making his name tag that says it. The hunt goes on and goes on into Christmas and past Christmas. Horn and the trackers realize that they're only a couple days away from the Apaches. And on January 7th, 1886, the army is just about to attack the Apaches, when the Apaches here run and run away, but they're this close and to be this close to them is a really big deal. However, inside of Geronimo's camp, they had been exhausted. So it isn't too long before an Apache woman comes up under a sign of peace to essentially give their surrender from Geronimo. You can almost hear a drunken hiccup from Horn's autobiography because he claims that Geronimo, who he had talked apparently talked to before, Geronimo would only talk to him. He was the ultimate translator. He was the guy. Give me Tom. Give me Tom. I only speak to Tom. The loudmouth. yes. However, there's kind of an elephant in the room. Tom is with the American army, and the Apache are in Mexico, and they have tracked them In Mexico, you have a wing of the United States Army in Mexican territory, and you best believe nobody has told Mexico about it yet. So just as the Apaches are about to surrender near Tiapar, Mexico, on January 11th, the Mexican army, just over the ridge, starts to fire at the Americans. Tom, to his credit, exposes himself completely And runs up to a top of a rock and signals to the Mexican for them to stop yelling. He yells in Spanish that they're American soldiers, and then they try to raise a white flag. They believe him initially, and they state fire. But then they look into the American scouts and see that they're Apache. So now they no longer believe the Americans are there for a peace mission, that they're actually with the Apaches. So they start opening up fire again. Horn is apparently close enough to the Mexican army that he can see a man look at him, lower his rifle, smile at him, raise his rifle up, as <laughs> if he's not going to fire, only for him to pull it right back down and shoot him in the arm. Eh? Uh-huh. Haha, uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> just kidding. Boom. Horn went from trying to keep the peace to now thoroughly aggravated. Instead of trying to help... He now starts openly mocking the Mexicans. na 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 you can't hit me. Except for they actually did hit him in the arm. But yeah. <laughs> But yes, kind of the thing. Is that all you have kind of thing. Witnesses say that Horn was having the time of his life yelling at them. And he was also yelling at the Mexicans that they weren't here to hunt the Apache, but instead they were here to kill Mexicans.
1: Oh, jeez, He is just stirring that pot real nice.
0: When one Mexican soldier yelled out, what do you want? Horn replied, everything you have. <laughs> Cooler heads eventually prevail. And in my head, somebody has to tackle Horn and cover his mouth to make sure that he just shuts the hell up.
1: That's what probably stopped the conflict. Someone, on, <laughs> someone one of the Americans tackled him and the Mexican army was like, oh, okay. It's just that weird, crazy guy that was causing oh. all the problems. Okay, we, we,
0: we, we get you now. It was the guy shouting in Spanish that he thought he was saying peace, but really it was just giving him the finger. Some very tense peace talks lead to some very tense peace. Everyone kind of has the side eye. But to make everything better, Horn, uh, still in charge of the supply army, goes and grabs some whiskey, and cooler heads continue to prevail. An international incident is narrowly avoided, but just for a brief moment of time, the Apaches are able to slip away during the skirmish. Huh. Probably just wanting to get away from the firefight because they do surrender a couple days later. But there had to have been a moment of, are you kidding me? We finally had them, and then we had a fight with someone other than the enemy. After the war, Tom works as a cowhand in other various jobs. He even has a claim in the Deer Creek mining district. He uses some of those earnings from being a scout, and from his, from his mining camp, that he's able to build a ranch in Arizona. Pretty modest, but it was a pretty good start. He had around 100 heads of cattle and a couple dozen horses. Horn seemed pretty content if this was going to be his life from here on out. And if that was the case, we would start ranking him right now. Instead, it's pretty short-lived as cattle thieves or cattle rustlers storm his ranch one night and literally steal all of his stock, resulting in like nothing. He has nothing anymore. He has to file for bankruptcy. Wow. There's two major moments in Horn's life, like two personality-changing moments in his life. This is believed to be one of them, because he will never forgive a cattle rustler again. It's Anyone almost,
1: he sees he just instantly hates?
0: Yes. he if A thief is something he will not tolerate ever again. It is a defining characteristic of him now. During this time, he has to find a different line of work because obviously he can't be a rancher. There's really no one left to scout or track down. So he tries his job as a deputy sheriff in the Tonto Basin, but also potentially as a range detective where he was tasked with finding the same cattle wrestlers that would steal his own cattle. Your first task? Find out who stole from you. Kill everyone. He may have taken part of the Pleasant Valley Range War. It's not really known. He likely was, but he may have well also have stayed neutral. It's not really entirely known. But what is known is Horn is a pretty good shot but he's not a very good hand-to-hand fighter but not through lack of effort he loses multiple fist fights but doesn't seem to take them too personally on one occasion a man takes him down thoroughly beats him up and what I pictured Tom coming out with like his buck teeth knocked out just calls the man the better fighter and the conflict was over yeah I mean you won fair and square yeah. well done that was a mighty nice shot that you gave me there almost knocked me out With a gun, though, it was a different story. It was said that he could climb on the back of a Bronco and reach down the animal's back, throw a can in the air, and shoot it multiple times while still in the air. Apparently, it was quite the feat. Probably not the most impressive feat we've heard with a gun, but there's not that many stories of how good he is with a gun. So that's, that's what we have. Another description of Horn is he was made fun of for having good hygiene gross you shower
1: oh how dare you your teeth are yellow and foot filled with tobacco gross oh who is this guy kind of
0: he was known for keeping his pants tucked inside his boot now whether that was for hygiene or if he was just kind of a nerd i'm not quite sure but even when he was about to go out floozying he was always scrubbing to make sure that he was just ready for the ladies What a gentleman. Yeah, just taking a shower. What a gentleman. (laughs) It's a pretty low bar. Another thing he's good at is steer tying. He continuously joins rodeos and consistently gains first or second place while doing it. In fact, he's so good at it, he has a standing offer of $500 to anyone who can tie faster than him. And there are no takers. He's so good, and I don't know if I believe this story, but I can kind of believe it, is that he's so good he even catch Buffalo Bill's Cody's eye just before he goes on his European tour. Horn, however, turns him down. A guy that's so full of himself, loves himself, wouldn't
1: go on tour so the whole world could love him?
0: Kind of. Now... It sounds doubtful, and I have that same skepticism you do, but Buffalo Bill also talked about the story. So keep in mind the source. Buffalo Bill was a natural showman. For him to be linked to another famous name. Right. Possible both. It was self. uh, Both of them like to talk about themselves, so it's possible. It didn't happen, but both of them had a wink and a nod. Yes, we knew each other. Look how important we are. Who knows? During one of these rodeos, again, remember Horn as a sheriff deputy. The sheriff of the county is killed in the line of duty. When Horn is supposedly at a rodeo, when Reynolds calls for Horn, he simply doesn't come. Horn blames that he was at the rodeo. He didn't have time to get there. When in reality, it kind of sounds like Horn just skipped work that day and didn't actually show up and ended up with the sheriff being killed. As proof of it, the next sheriff just straight up fired Horn. He didn't even want to deal with him. I'm
1: surprised. Why why didn't Horn just uh, move into the sheriff's slot?
0: Uh, I don't think it would be enough money for him. We'll go into that in a second. Okay. So now he's already looking for a new job. And there's one place that is really looking for scouts at these days. And it's the Pinkerton detective agency. If you remember from the Pinkertons episodes from Jesse James, they're controversial to say the least. They are initially hired to protect the president, but they've kind of gained a reputation of union breaking. And also, well, just being loyal to the highest bidder for those who aren't familiar with them. They're the reason that we have the term private eye. And because most sheriff stations and counties can't go across state lines, the Pinkertons can. So if you wanted to catch someone across in the other state, you almost had to hire the Pinkertons. And if you think of it, Horn and the Pinkertons are a pretty good match for each other. Horn is one hell of a tracker, a pretty good shot. And despite wanting to talk about himself all the time, seems to be a fairly likable guy. Or at least he's able to gain friends, regardless of where he is. One of his first jobs, he goes undercover for the railroads. Specifically, a Union Pacific hire him to investigate a train crash. They believe that an employee actually sabotaged the train in order to rob it. Horn attempts to go undercover, and it's not entirely sure what happens next. But the end result ends in... Horn being arrested for trying to rob a casino. (laughs) We need you. We need you to
1: just go on this train. Yeah, yeah, sure. You got to come get me. There's a casino. There's a couple. You're you're never going to believe it.
0: That's hilarious. It's the hangover part seven at this point. (laughs) Mike Tyson woke up next to him. A tiger's to my left and we robbed a casino. I don't know what happened.
1: I can just see a freeze frame. I bet you're wondering how I got here.
0: (laughs) Now, it's kind of weak evidence. The robber did look like Horn, but one of the incriminating uh, identifications of the criminal was that his pants were tucked into his boot. Light at best. I mean, he was a nerd. He was, yes, big nerd. Yes, he was. When his trial date comes up, the first trial leads to a hung jury, and on the second trial, it ends with Horn being found not guilty. They believe it's mistaken identity, but rumors of the Pinkertons influencing the jury maybe having a few conversations of, Look how big my knife is. Look how easy it cuts through this hog. Isn't this a wonderful knife? Things like that may have ha- happened. Regardless, Horn is off. Confusingly, another man would go around bragging that he was the real robber, but it's not really known if this is after the fact, after Horn becomes a big deal. Chances are it was just some other version of Tom Horn that just wanted to brag about himself. Horn returns to duty in Denver, Colorado, where we have really our first description of Tom Horn during this part. It's a fairly long quote, so bear with me. Quote, Horn was a natural-born sleuth. I never fathomed his character or movements. He could crawl like a snake or stand up in a fight and take his medicine with the others. He hunted Apache and he had to run train robbers into the ground. And now his headquarters were now by the banks of the creek. He seemed to have an innate hatred of a house. And on the road, it was little use to him. Like a border, like the border behind the kopi or a fortified hill. He kept undercover, shutting the divides, slipping the ravines, driving the canyons, reaching a point by tracks known only to himself. He never knew his movements, and yet he always turned up at the right moment. A strange, incomprehensible being with steel nerves of iron and cunning as a fox. Man knew how to sneak. Hide and sneak champion, 1890s edition. I can just see him (laughs)
1: tiptoeing.
0: Behind this building.
1: (laughs) I'm
0: just saying, if Dora would have had him as the sniper swipe swipers no swiping uh she wouldn't have found anything he would have gotten away with everything now this is we've already kind of talked about the cattle rustlers stealing his cattle was a big moment in his life and this may have been the first moment of his personality really changing and people start to notice it more during this time now tom is still likable but now he gets more irritable he gets into more arguments, is quicker to pull his gun, and is quicker to get into even more fist fights. Also growing are the tales he likes to tell about himself. Now it's not really known again if this is a sudden change, or if this is fairly gradual. Always roving, Tom moves to Wyoming, which is also in its range war. It's also in its own range war. In short, wealthy cattlemen dominate the area, kind of lock like a mafia family. Larry D ball compares them in his book to medieval Europe. They claim land is theirs when actually it's public domain land. They just want it. They then are able to report less than credible thefts all in an effort to take control of herds and their stakes and claiming their stakes on the land to retaliate cattle rustlers or just ranchers attempt to fight back but the Pinkertons have something the small ranchers don't, and that's money. With money, they can hire the Pinkertons to help get their cattle back. It's almost like Tom Horn and the Cattlemen are meant to be together. In reality, the Cattlemen uh, are just bullies. We all think of a railroad tycoon. We think of oil barons. It's the same thing. It's a bunch of bullies with money trying to push around smaller people without the resources they have. Now, not every small cattle rancher is a saint. Was there plenty of cattle wrestling? Absolutely there was. But that wasn't what the cattlemen were going after. They just wanted land. It was a convenient excuse for them bring in Tom Horn or bring in the Pinkertons to get more of that land. Horn enters Wyoming as a Pinkerton agent but he also becomes a deputy when he's not working as a range detective. But he would openly admit that he is willing to work and is going to be more loyal to the higher paying Pinkertons than the local sheriff that he was supposedly supposed to be helping out. He isn't necessarily interested in arresting any cattle rustlers unless there is indefensible proof they would be convicted. It would be easier just to simply run the men off than to risk not having a not guilty verdict. And that works in well for the Pinkertons because you always want to go with, we find our guy, like our conviction rate is 100%. So they're not going to bring anyone in unless they know it's a slam dunk case. Other okay, So
1: it, they don't, they just run them off. That is the ultimate goal. Yes. Okay.
0: Horn, even though he's more loyal to the Pinkertons, doesn't really like working for them. You get the sense that he wants to be his own boss. He wants to decide his next cases. He wants to decide how much money he's going to bring in. More things like bragging about how many men he has driven off. Potentially how many men he has already killed. Now, I haven't talked about anyone he's maybe has killed. But it's up to maybe a dozen men at this point.
1: And he is bragging to people. Openly. That he's killed these men. Yes. So he's like, I... I ran off these guys, and then I took care of these guys.
0: Are you starting to get a sense of why he's being suspected for Willie Nickel, the who it? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people were. And he's I'm, not even a big name in the area yet.
1: I'm sensing he's going to be one of those guys that, like, tells so many tall tales that then they're just going to believe him. And then he's going to be like, I was joking.
0: Right. Oh, sorry, man. No, no. It's a big joke. I meant nothing. Hearing of his reputation, John Clay hired Horn to spy on a woman who was suspected of stealing his cattle, and then butchering them, and then selling them off to Cheyenne. Tom creeps around the farm for two months, and then when he is convinced he has enough evidence, he moves in. When he goes onto the farm, he catches three men who were actively butchering and skinning the stock. When one suspect pulls a knife on Horn, he says, I have the notion to cut the buttons off your vest horn isn't messing around by any means then pulls his revolver points it in the man's face and says drop that knife or i will simply put a bullet in your head the knife drop the cattle wrestlers are brought in but only one is found guilty of stealing the cattle the other four are found not guilty what they were there Yes, but how many of them are actively stealing it was kind of the issue. Right. We only have the proof of the one doing it. The one that was actually butchering? It's a case of what you can prove, not what you know. Right. Okay. Horn is furious. He thought that the jury was simply too soft on cattle thieves, not considering that he may have actually, some of them may have actually been innocent. It's possible... It's just not likely in this case. But who knows? Horns decides, as if he's evil Batman, that he will have to work outside the law to make sure justice is set out. It is up to me. I am the vigilante of justice. The cowman. <sighs> I'd love to see the the cow signal in the land. Is it just like the big <laughs> bell or is it just a picture of a heifer?
1: Yeah, just the head, you know, then smiling. Don't forget smiling yeah. too.
0: <laughs> now in true mafia style, Horn attends one of the meeting with the cattlemen. They are obviously talking about putting hits on people. Like they're kind of skirting around the issue, but then Tom Literally comes out of the dark, goes in the middle of the room, cigar in hand, and says to the men, men, I have a system that never fails when everything else has yours has. Now he's not outright saying what he's going to do. And in fact, some are kind of horrified at the thought and others like the president of the meeting hint that collecting evidence may be one thing. But more may need to be done. And if it wasn't exclusively said, he then just said it, including assassinations. Despite being obvious what the whole meeting is about, there's now no doubt that everyone in the room understands that Horn isn't going to be cute with his messages. And some were okay with it. One rancher takes Horn up on his offer and he promises to drive all of the cattle rustlers out of the county, or he would return all of his pay. However, if he was successful, Horn expected to be paid $5,000, which would be about $50,000 roughly in today's money. He was not messing around. He was not, he hated himself some thieves now, obviously, this becomes difficult to track who Horn-specific bosses were, but there's really two names that kind of come up. One, uh, we're not going to talk about much, but he was the owner of a saloon Horn-frequented, and the other was a man named John Coble. John Coble is a cattleman, and he is having a blood feud with a man named Kells Nickel. If you remember right, Willie Nickel is our whodunit case. Kells is Willie's father, and they are a perfect example of the battle between the cattlemen and the small ranchers. Kells is a veteran of the Sioux War and is known for his stubbornness and prickly demeanor. Do you remember in South Park, Russell Crowe fighting around the world? No. Okay. The big premise is Russell Crowe is so quick to fight that he literally just goes around the world and punching people <laughs> literally at the drop of a hat. Like he sneaks up on people, punches them, gets in a fight, all of that good stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's a very funny episode. Maybe I'm dating myself, but that's Kel's nickel. He just woke up angry. Nickel refuses to leave his homestead. Despite Cole trying to push him out simply because nickel was there first, which you would say is a pretty good reason to not leave your home. He would then do anything he could to annoy Coble. Including, Coble would sometimes allow his cattle to venture out onto onto Nickel's land. Nickel, to show you how fast he wanted to escalate things, instead of trying to kick the cattle out, Nickel threatened that he would poison his own land to kill Coble's invading cattle.
1: He did not like this, dude.
0: <laughs> Fighting around the world. Probably punching <laughs> cows in the face. In town, the two men cross each other. Kells Nickel is reported in the newspaper of actually stabbing Coble with two hard thrusts towards Coble's stomach. Nickel cut so deeply that it was believed that Coble's entrails were hanging out.
1: Oh, jeez!
0: Now, newspaper... Keep in mind, they're very divided. It's cattle rustlers, or it's not cattle rustler, cattle ranchers versus the cattlemen kind of thing in the newspapers. Nickel didn't deny the stabbing. But what other papers would leave out is that Coble kept following and threatening Nickel until Kells turned around and stabbed him. How much of the gruesome stabbing happened? You don't know. Maybe it was a quick gash. You don't know. What does known is it takes Coble weeks to recover. He survived. He did survive. Yes, he absolutely survived. Uh, but he's in pain. Well, if his entrails were hanging out. Supposedly. Let me just pick these up here. Uh, sorry. Excuse me. I'm just uh, that's my fault. Zip. Put him right back in. Closes his belly button. <laughs> you got me good. You got me good this time. <laughs> uh, Other newspaper headlines that are going on other than Kelsnickel and John Coble is that a body comes up of a suspected cattle rustler named Powell. Powell was shot clean through the heart. A ranch hand heard the shot. And by the time he got to the body, he doesn't see anyone, but sees that Powell was shot three times and it is suspected through the town that the cattlemen took the hit out on him. Powell's son witnessing a man in Tom's description near the homestead. The man wasn't really trying to hide. It was almost like he'd go up on top of the hill, would make it clear that he's here and he's watching, but then he would stand there for a couple minutes, polish his gun, maybe he would aim it a little bit, and then he would just walk away. He wanted his presence known. Horn even attends the grand jury testimony that the boy is speaking at. And as soon as the boy sees him, he bursts into tears long enough that they need to stop the testimony, simply by seeing Horn. Outside of the courtroom, Horn would claim that he was being prosecuted by everyone in the street, that he didn't do it, even though it was pretty well known that he was the one that did it. Possibly through a combination of jury intimidation, or there just simply wasn't enough evidence the case was officially listed as unsolved. Horn collected $800 randomly.
1: Hmm.
0: Interesting. Very interesting. And in what seems to be completely out of left field. So out of left field, I almost skipped this part, but in the interest of being fair to him, um, Horn leaves Wyoming for like three years. And he drives to start up another ranch in Arizona. They believe he has enough money from his first hit and from his Pinkerton money that he wants to try it again. However, then the Spanish-American War breaks out and Horn is pulled back into the army. So not only is he in Arizona, he's now going off to war. And not only to war, he actually is a pack train uh, supplier for Teddy Roosevelt going up San Juan's Hill. What? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Now you wonder. There.
1: It just appears.
0: It just—it's like a fever dream. It just <laughs> randomly comes out. Now, why am I skipping all of this? Because it's kind of a rehash. He sees some battle. He doesn't have the big dramatic story. Other than he helped supply the army. He may have met Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, that's really kind of it. By all accounts, he serves admirably. He's a good uh, tracker. Everything we said about him during his Apache years fits here but i just I, i'm grazing over this cuz it just seems so odd to come out of here horns military service is cut short because he like many of the soldiers catches yellow fever and is bedridden it's so serious he loses 40 pounds Gee, that is a ton yes he is bedridden 4 months and when he returns in 1899 He goes right back to Wyoming and just becomes a range detective again.
1: You think he gets there, sits down and goes, well, well, that was a weird couple.
0: (laughs) I don't know what happened there. (laughs) I blinked and I was in San Juan Hill.
1: He just all of a sudden comes
0: to you in like a tavern like, oh, wow,
1: that was a weird dream.
0: I'm a lot skinnier all of a sudden. This is awesome. Now, I talked about there was two moments that they believe that Horn may have had different, like, two major personalities shifting moments. This is the second one. They think that the Yellow Fever may have also shifted his personality, which very well could have. I believe it was a gradual shift between first hunting down uh, Geronimo and now going, like, hunting men wanting to be your own boss. I think it's just a gradual shift from him. But anyway, he returns back to Wyoming from his literal fever dream. Horn is first hired by the Pinkertons, Uh, to track down flat nosed George Curry after he kills a deputy in Johnson County, Wyoming, after pulling off a successful bank robbery after weeks of searches. This is actually someone horn. Isn't able to hunt down George Curry. We'll talk about in a later episode because he's going to be part of the wild bunch with Butch Cassidy. So we'll get back to him. He is killed a short time later in Utah. It's just not by horn. So, There's his white whale, the one that got away. The issue is still the same in Johnson County. Cattlemen and smaller ranchers are still fighting. Cattlemen would still allow their cattle to roam wherever they wanted, and then they would try to push smaller ranches off of their land. Ranchers would then retaliate by shooting any trespassing cattle, or they would just claim that these cattle are now theirs, something that would thoroughly aggravate the cattlemen. Again, another meeting is held between the cattlemen on what they're going to do to deal with all these small ranchers, quote-unquote, stealing all of their cows. Now, was there actually some cattle theft? Absolutely. They're people. They're complex. But they're just kind of crying foul at this point. They're mad that they're not getting their way, and this is how they're going to get into it. Their secret weapon that they're going to call in, you guessed it. His name is Tom Horn. In fact, during this meeting, Horn isn't necessarily there, but they do collect a pot to hire a hitman. Horn isn't the only hitman, but he is by far the best. When Horn hears of the collection, he says that he will expect payment of $500 for every confirmed cattle wrestler that he runs off or kills. He has a price. One of the first hits that he returns after returning from war, he works with a friend named Tewksbury, during which they intimidate a rancher by setting his grass on fire in order to drive him off. When the rancher recognizes Horn, he initially comes out of his house to challenge him, and then he realizes who it was, and then he turns around. Unaware that even though he turned his back to Horn, Horn was still willing to shoot him. If it wasn't for Tewksbury, Horn would have shot him where his suspenders crossed. But he got stopped. He got stopped, and the rancher took the hint, and he left.
1: He wasn't playing. He's not playing games anymore. No. Oh, you don't want to leave? Dead.
0: Kind of. What his real pattern was is he would leave a note on your door, and the note would be what you would expect it to. You have X amount of time to leave or else. He would then kind of get on the ridgeline, That same type of intimidation. The, I'm in the distance, but you can see me. I can see you. Maybe you should leave. If that didn't work, maybe he left another note. If he's feeling generous. If the person didn't leave then, then they had a habit of being shot in the head at a fairly short distance. As a calling card, apparently... He would put a stone underneath their head. I I was going to, I was about to be like, let me guess, let me guess. (laughs) Now that part is up for debate. Someone like Tom Horn, you would think would be smart enough not to leave a calling card, but he did love himself some Tom Horn.
1: So he had to know that people knew (laughs) who he was.
0: Home Alone, the Sticky Finger Bangets. Yeah. Why
1: are you turning? Well, they were the wet bandits in the first one. You know why are you turning on the FOD That's a calling card. Now we know exactly every single house you rob. <laughs> you can. Li- That's literally the thing. If that was his calling card, now they could just in like immediately say, "Oh, you get killed." Him, 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 her, him, her, her, him, her, her. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <sighs> He's not the sharpest pencil in the pencil box, is he? No. If. He left that calling card.
0: He's very good at hunting, but remember he hated education. Not saying that there's more than book smarts, but man loved hunting. uh, And that's really about it. He loved hunting and Tom Horn. Two things he loved. One day, a local cattleman, small small town cattle rancher named Matt Rash. Rash has a reputation of kind of banding all of the smaller ranchers together. Kind of like a co-op, kind of like, I guess if it was medieval time, you'd call it a guild. If you were the big cattlemen, you thought Matt Rash was nothing more than the King Thief. He was the one that was leading the entire underworld against them. That's what they build him up to be. One day, Matt Rash is approached by a Tom Hicks. Tom Hicks is looking for some work as a ranch hand. He also brags about being an Indian killer. Apparently Tom Hicks gets to know Matt Rash for the next couple months, but the woman he's with named Ann Bassett, yes, Ann Bassett, Butch Cassidy, he's kind of in the, he's not in the background, but there's a lot of characters that go on that episode. So Ann Bassett just kind of looks at him like he, she doesn't trust him a whole lot, but Matt Rash seems to take him in. And Horn gets close enough to even eat at his, at his breakfast table some mornings. And then one morning, Matt Rash is turned up dead at his breakfast table with one boot on. Apparently, Mr. Hicks killed him.
1: After being so friendly with him.
0: Should have known. Never invite someone to your breakfast table. Especially, like, I kind of a picture, like, he just had a name tag. And it said hello my name is tom and then he wrote the agent was like damn it well now i gotta fix it how can i uh hicks put that puppy on tom hicks everyone you look familiar oh no it's right here on my name tag hicks oh okay that makes yeah. sense everything's fine next up is a man named isom dart dart is a relatively it's a bigger name in the area he's a former slave And like everyone else in this episode uh, is familiar with Butch Cassidy. There isn't any evidence to suggest that Dart ever rode with them, but it's possible. What is known is that Dart was a cattle thief. There wasn't any question on that. He had done it in his past, but it looked like he had turned around his life. He was working hard. He was owned his own small ranch. But unfortunately, he also gets visited by Tom
1: Hicks. I thought you were going to say Hornsby or something. (laughs) Uh,
0: There's actually another Tom also went by Tom Hale sometimes when he was the Pinkertons. Um, So, yeah, he he felt some spice in his life. Changed it up once in a while. Changed the name tag once in a while. His alter egos. (laughs) Just a different mustache. This one's more curly. Dart is riding his horse or some accounts. He's just walking with his friends. Dart falls over with a bullet hitting him in the chest. He is likely dead before he even hits the ground. His friends rush inside to seek cover, and they actually don't go outside until the next day. But when they do, they go to Dart's body, and they look around to see where the possible shot went to. They find 30-30 rifle shot rounds from a Winchester and horse tracks. Horn is never charged with the murder, but it's not even... A small secret that it was him, like he's actively doing this, and everyone kind of knows he's doing it but no one's stopping him. Well, the cattle barons have all the power. there is a legitimate power struggle of even if he gets pulled in, they can still get him off right because
1: they have all the money and everything.
0: yes, he can basically move with impunity I'm surprised he even went by a different name then. I mean, you gotta, you gotta pretend. You can't just make it you know, right. I mean,
1: seriously, Tom, we can't. You can't just go around. I mean, you got to at least pretend you're a different
0: person. He just goes, "I'm Tom Horn." <laughs> that was me, everyone. Tom standing Horn o- did standing it. Standing over
1: the bo- standing over the body, just pointing down. Yep, me.
0: Yep, hey, me. Everyone, what you gonna do about it? Actually, nobody come and fight me because I'll lose the fight, but I will shoot you.
1: (laughs) That is hilarious, though, that he sucks at fighting, but he is a great shot.
0: (laughs) Well, what's going to be interesting. So, like, everyone says at this point, he's a great shot. He's a great shot. He's a great shot. But then, like, halfway through Larry Ball's book, he kind of throws some doubt on that because all of his kills are relatively close. And without giving away too much, there's going to be a trial for Willie Nickel. And they're even going to openly talk about Horn not being that great of a shot. So you don't know if a horn just really talked himself up as a shootist or if that was just part of his defense. What he
1: shoot him up close and then run really far away? Here's, That's, here's where I was. Here's where I was. Over
0: <laughs> Time out. Time out, everyone. You're not seeing this. And then he tiptoes. Going on to that, he's not so good with fist fighting. Well, he's still trying to win a fist fight. He really is. God bless his heart. One night, Horn is at a bar when he interacts with two brothers, two brothers named Newton, Kelly and Edward. Horn is in a bit of a mood and apparently just like does the typical rush in the saloon, like the swing doors are going crazy and he just shoves everyone out of the way to get into the bar and he orders a whiskey when the two brothers are kind of annoyed by Horn and his behavior. According to the unfortunately named William D. Titsworth, which, God bless him, what a horrible name to have. Titsworth, (laughs) describe Horn as, quote, he gets two or three shots of red eye in him and he thinks he's a fighting man from the Powder River. So when the two Newton brothers approach him, Horn starts an argument with him. The brothers then grab Horn by the arms from the behind, pins him to the bar, when Newton takes out a fairly large knife and puts a large gash on Horn's side from his chest that goes all the way to the right side of his neck, Horn collapses on the floor from loss of blood and only lives because bystanders stop Kelly Brothers from finishing the job. So Horn has to recover from his stabbing for the next couple of weeks. And there's one more character that we need to enter the story like an ultimate villain someone that drives the cattle barons absolutely furious blood boiling angry that enemy is sheep i don't i don't think you're 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 not angry did you not hear me say the word sheep uh
1: not sheep, oh those pesky. oh
0: sheep uh. That's better. That's the perfect response. Now why do they hate sheep so much? Because Grazed on their land? Uh yes, but sheep don't just graze the the top, they eat all the way down to the root. So if you had sheep next to a cattle ranch, and some of those cattle like to go across someone else's land, They didn't have any more food. Take a wild guess who the (laughs) first man to bring sheep into the county was. Our old friend, Kelsnickel. Oh, no. (laughs) You can almost see his angry, intense smile rubbing his hands angrily as he does so. What annoys Coble specifically, because again, they're neighbors. What annoys Kobol specifically is Coble or uh, Nickel has the audacity to fence in his own land. It's Nickel's land. He's well within his right to do it. That but, monster! How dare he? Yeah, Coble really wants to use his land. Like, why won't he let his cattle go on his land? After all, it, Coble has every right to use another man's land, right? It's basically his. Yeah. Nickel's in the wrong here. He will hear none of it. It's not surprising that a hit is taken out on Kells Nickel. (laughs) Because not only is Nickel feuding with Colbel, another neighbor named Jim Miller. And for those who know the wild west uh, a little bit more, it's not that Jim Miller. He will get his own episode. He's just coming down way down the line. But. A neighbor named Jim Miller and Nickel trade threats with each other. It's not really known how they start their feud or really what's become of it, but they just know that there was a knife fight and both men carry guns just in case they run into each other. So Cobble has multiple blood feuds going on at the same time. Or not Cobal, Nickel has multiple blood feuds going on at the same time.
1: He is not liked at all.
0: He's not. He is not a likable person.
1: It's is probably one of those guys where when you see him, you go instantly.
0: People are just probably like, I do not like him. The prick. <laughs> just absolute prick is what he is. So again, it's not a surprise that a hit is taken out on Kills nickel. However, it's his 14-year-old son, Willie, that ends up being shot.
1: <sighs> where we start our story.
0: Where we start the story. Now, what's different about this killing Is that the public are now starting to shift power against the cattlemen. Not that the cattlemen were ever popular, but now the public really is angry about it because a 14-year-old boy was just killed. The district attorney's name is Stoll, and he has a lot of pressure to solve the case. Failure to do so may literally take out a mob to take their own justice. There are too many there are two primary suspects in the case. Jim Miller and our hero Tom Horn. Horn had been seen lurking around the Nickel Ranch before Nick Willie is killed. And he's obviously known and linked to John Colwell. It's basically public knowledge at this point. The difference between Miller and Horn is Horn has a reputation going all the way back to the Powell murders. Do you remember when the kid broke out into tears because he just saw the man who murdered his father in the court? That still burns. And honestly, they're finally getting sick of it. The district attorney has had his eye on Horn ever since he took office. Even with his own political aspirations, putting Horn in jail would look really good on a resume stole, either believed it was horn or just really, 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 wanted it to be horn. He even dismisses Jim Miller pretty early on saying that Miller didn't have the stuff to kill. Despite the knife fight that he had with him,
1: the... <laughs> <laughs> wanted him dead. No big deal. He <laughs> carried a gun around just in case he saw him. No big deal though. No, he, he did not have it in him.
0: He was probably sharpening his knife, talking with the DA like, no, it wasn't me. Shink. Uh, uh, I was with him.
1: Yeah, that's, that's right. I was uh, talking to him.
0: So I'm confused. Is Kells Nichols still alive? You're saying, okay, I'll be right back. Slowly creeps out of the room. Sometime soon here, a bloodstained sweater is taken into evidence. Nobody really knows about it yet, but just know that's going to come by in just a little bit. Just know there's the bloodstained sweater. The prosecuting attorney underneath stole is a man named Lafours and he wants to deviate a plan to get Horn to confess. Now, how on earth is he going to get Notorious Hermit, a man who absolutely doesn't like talking about himself, to confess? Well, he thinks about it for about four and a half seconds. Liquor insta- him up?
1: Hmm? Does he liquor him up? We'll get into it.
0: Matt has pointed out that's basically my uh, my catchphrase on this on this podcast. Is we'll get into it because he has a really good knack of asking the question just as I'm about to answer it. <laughs> Mister Nicholson is two plus three. Is that five? <laughs> yes, Matt. Let me explain it for a second. <laughs> it's a very good question. Thank you I for got to know
1: right now. <laughs>
0: If anything, it's a good segue. I appreciate your questions. I really do. (laughs) So anyway, LaFleur writes a letter to Horn saying that he has a job for him. Horn writes back almost immediately. He writes back in the letter back to LaFleur's, quote, I don't care how big or bad his men, meaning the wrestlers, are. I can handle them. They are scarcely can be worse than the brown hole gang. I stopped the cow stealing there in one summer. Horn continues on his letter to insist that he could, quote, perform his duties with less expense in the shape of a lawyer and witness fees. He would then also continue, Joe, you yourself know my reputation is enough, and that's all we will need to do out. Basically confesses in a letter. Like, already. He doesn't say it, but he basically says it, doesn't he? So LaFleur has his trap. Now he needs to get Horn in a hotel room where he buys the hotel room and the room next to it. They make a little peephole, and they put two men in a desk on the other side of the room, and they're just going to listen. Horn is invited to come meet, and shortly after introductions, have a drink or two at the bar. And then at some point, LaFleur invites Horn back into his office so they can have a private conversation. Within minutes, and it almost seems comically fast. It's almost like Horn closes the door, and then he says, quote, I shoot too goddamn much, I know. (laughs) It's almost like he just... I did it. I did
1: it. it. I'm sorry, I can't help myself sometimes.
0: When the floors told Horn... That shooting really wasn't a problem. Horn continued, quote, Never got my employers into trouble yet over anything I have done. A man can't be too careful because you can't have any goddamn officers know that what you were doing. Considering all of the rumors around town, Tom, I don't think you're succeeding in that. Anyway, a lot of this is actually transcribed. So I'm actually reading you the verbatim conversation transcribed from this conversation. And it's really important that to listen to what question is being asked and how horn is responding to it. And this will depend on if you believe horn killed Willie nickel or not the floors baiting, Tom asks him something to the effect of Tom, you're the best man to cover up your trail that I've ever saw in the Willie nickel killing. I never could find your trail. And I take my pride on being a tracker myself. Horn replied, no, goddamn, I left no trail. The only way to cover up your trail is to go barefoot. Lafleur's, I never knew why Willie Nickel was killed. Was it because he was one of the victims named or was it compulsory? Horn, I think it was this way. Suppose a man was on a big draw to the right of the gate, you know, where it is the draw. That comes at the main creek below Nickel's house, where Kill's Nickel was shot. Well, I suppose a man was, was in there and that the kid came up riding on him and he found this way and I suppose the kid started to run towards the house and the fellow headed him off and at the gate, killing him to keep him from going into the house and raising a hell of commotion. That is the way I think it occurred. So Horn kind of pulls the, I don't think they were meant for Nickel, but he likely saw something he didn't, he shouldn't have. And the man had to kill Willie So before he could tell,
1: right, like, well, I reckon this is probably what happened as he spells out probably what happened.
0: Yeah. Step by step on what probably happened. LaFleur's Tom, you had your boots on when you ran across and cut off the kid, didn't you? Horn. No, I was barefooted. LaFleur's you didn't run across there barefooted horn. Yes, I did. LaFleur's well, how did you get your boots off after cutting? Horn, I generally have 10 days to rest and heal up after that kind of job. The two go back and forth, and including a section where Horn is actually warned by a woman to look out for LaFleur's. Horn openly admits, hey, I ran into this woman that is uh, that thinks you're trouble. Maybe I shouldn't be talking to you right now. Isn't that funny? LaFleur's would go on to ask what type of gun Horn liked to use. Horn replied that he liked using a 3030 Winchester rifle. When LaFleur's asked if the caliber was effective in a 3040 Winchester rifle, Horn repeated, No, but I like to get close up to my man, and the closer the better. Remember, the shell casings found for Willie Nickel were 3040 Winchesters. Horn uses 3030. Horn also has a size 8 shoe. The footprints found were size 6.5. Hmm. That's interesting. So far, the conversation has been about if Horn has been barefoot. Which he wouldn't have left any trail.
1: Right. But why would he admit to it?
0: Uh, Because he has some liquid.
1: Oh, he has some liquid uh, truth serum.
0: Yes, he does. And then finally, for the coup de grace, LaFleur is asked how far away Willie Nickel was when Horn shot the boy. And Horn replied, it was 300 yards. It was the best shot I ever made and the dirtiest trick I ever done. He was shot up close. Supposedly. If that wasn't incriminating enough, Horn would continue on to go later in the day because the conversation still wasn't over yet. LaFleurs, did you ever have any trouble collecting the money? Horn, no. When I do that job of that kind, they knew when to pay me. I would kill a man if you tried to beat me out of 10 cents. LaFleur, have you got your money for the killing of Willie Nickel Horn, yes, I got that before I did the job. LaFleur, you got $600 for that. Why did you take a cut in price? Horn, I got $2,100. LaFleur, how much is that per man? Horn, that is for three men dead and one man shot at five times. Killing men is my specialty, and I took at it as a business proposition, and I think I have a corner on the market they have their confession almost like wrapped and delivered to them in a nice little bow what they also have is a man essentially in a job interview trying to tell you how much he, how good he is at killing a drunk man at that to me i don't read this as a man who killed someone I read this as a man trying to get paid, and trying to impress his job. Mm-hmm. I don't think he did it either. But the confession's pretty damning.
1: <laughs> I mean, he literally kind of spelled it out. But there's evidence that proves that he didn't, right? You know, eight eight size shoes, six and a half different rounds, distance, barefoot with
0: shoes. He also changes the story. Like he goes from, I didn't this is how I think Willie nickel was killed to this is how I killed Willie nickel. He goes from someone probably saw the boy and then had to cut him off and kill him. And now at the end, he's saying I shot him from 300 yards and it was the best shot I ever made. Really what he's saying is look at how far I killed the kid from. I can have now have a range of 300 yards is how I read that. He's just going to say Whatever is going to get him hired for this next job. Taking credit, essentially. Right. They, trans- they transcribe through the night, probably with a girlish giggle when they do so. Horn attempts to leave the next day, but is instantly arrested as soon as they get done transcribing. Horn himself doesn't put up a fight. And he, in fact, he seems pretty confident that the cattlemen would be able to come through and let him off. Horn begins his preliminary tri- trial, without knowing his confession was a setup. He doesn't know anything about the, the tape with LaFleur's, supposedly. When the transcript is read out loud, observers in the courtroom get to their feet. Like, oh crap, this might actually happen now. No. The defense is pretty simple. Prove where Tom Horn was at the time of the murder and try to make the jury understand that Horn was drunk and bragging more than he was actually confessing again horn was there for a job interview not there for a confession then the bloody sweatshirt shows up the one that was put into collections a few weeks before the man who brought the sweatshirt instantly recognized that it was tom horn when horn was brought the sweatshirt sometime later and asked if he wanted it back Tom said quote I sure would it's been a long time since I've worn that <laughs> I've been looking for that Where, <laughs> where'd you find it and like for God's sakes Tom like, uh, <laughs> uh... yeah keep digging that hole like not really all it is it's a bloody sweatshirt that was found around the Nichols uh, area now it, pro- it might have been Horn's sweater but like when you're in custody, maybe let's not, um, accept a bloody sweatshirt. Hmm. Horn is officially charged with the murder of Willie nickel. No other suspected suspects are even considered horn passes the time going into his trial, exercising in a narrow corridor, reading newspaper, making ropes, which is something he has known out through the rest of his life. Before we started recording, I sent you a picture of Tom Horn, uh, he's holding a, he's making a rope. That's yes. the type of things he would do like that. We just kind of sit there and that's what he would do in jail.
1: That was a very big rope too. <laughs> yeah.
0: In the background, the wealthy cattlemen, namely cobble are having issues with fraudulent cattle counts. So the cattlemen are actually kind of being squeezed from other courses. So they can't just focus on horn. The press is turning to how powerful the Wyoming cattlemen are And it doesn't bode well for Horn. Regardless, many still believe Horn is going to walk. This does seem to be a test between the state and the politicians versus the cattlemen. Who's finally going to win? Because the cattlemen have dominated the area for over a decade.
1: I think if Horn walks away from this, i bet a lot of people would be like, well, we know who's running the area, nothing we can do.
0: I think they're already saying that, but I think this is probably the prosecution's... What was the DA's name? Stole.
1: Okay, he was after Horn, though, for a long time, right? Yes, they no-
0: it's been an open secret that Horn was a hitman for hire. So I think
1: this would be the case that makes his career, probably. Huh?
0: Yes. He's fairly new, he does have political aspirations, and boy, that would be a big fish. After nine months of prep and Horn sitting in jail... Predictions that it'll be the longest trial in Wyoming history. It wasn't until the trial, however, and I don't know if I believe this, but supposedly Horn's lawyer didn't know about the bloody sweatshirt or the confession. For the nine months leading up to the trial? Supposedly. How do you just, how do you not figure that out? Exactly. Like, to me, that just seems like somebody's trying to, like, I mean he he at this time Horn even knows about it, right? Right. Like you're either comically inept or it's just not true.
1: If he didn't when it came out, do you think Horn like looked at him like, What do you mean you didn't know about it?
0: See, I view it the other way. It's Horn just sitting there confidently and the lawyer like, You didn't tell me what? Oh yeah. Are you kidding?
1: What do you mean he didn't tell me you came to your cell and you had you grabbed your sweatshirt back?
0: I wouldn't have taken the case if you just said you had an entire transcript admitting to it.
1: Think of the wasted time for that poor defense attorney.
0: Tom, I have a really big, I have a really good, really good defense for you. Are you ready to hear it? Day one of the trial. Hey, here's this confession. Oh, mother. (laughs) Wow, this is all a waste of time. So again, they're expecting it to be a really long trial. The prosecution closes its arguments after four days, because really, when you have a confession, there's no reason to spike the football. You just say your case and stop. You shut up. Horn's defense was pretty simple. But Tom Horn is a filthy liar. (laughs) (laughs) Horn even takes the stand. But let's be honest, is Tom Horn the best, uh, best witness for himself? Probably not.
1: Was the DA like, yo, you want a couple of shots before you go up there?
0: I I had the reaction of Stoll was probably, yes, please let him take the stand. Take the stand. Take the stand. Take the stand. Please take it.
1: I know my attorney says I'm a liar, but I
0: promise you I'm not. Everything I've said is true. <laughs> the defense then just kind of had to go into, well, everything he said was a lie, including the sweatshirt wasn't horn. Horn is probably wearing the sweatshirt. Or that, at least that's how I picture him. <laughs> He's wearing the bloody sweatshirt. It says, I did it, like, in the corner of it, written in blood. Uh, just, it's comically bad. Ultimately, the defense for Horn uh, is that he wasn't at the time of the murder. Instead, he was likely, um, he may have been on another job. Wink, wink, nod, nod. I, wasn't, I couldn't have killed him because I was killing this guy. I was killing someone else. The jury is dismissed has lunch, and they meet back up at 4.30, and they have a verdict. Hours later. So
1: this is supposed to be the longest case ever.
0: Yeah, it lasts less than a week.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> You'll be surprised to know that Tom Horn is found guilty. <laughs> Whew! I did not see that. We talk about a
1: twist ending. Holy <laughs> moly. Came out of nowhere.
0: Nah, just nobody saw it coming including the cattlemen horn is then sentenced to be hung. However, the cattlemen won't go down without a fight. They want to get horn out as much as they can. Half of it was kind of self-preservation. Like they don't know if horn is going to give them up or not. So, and also he's been fairly loyal and obviously he's pretty good at what he's doing attempts to get horn out include a man breaking, trying to steal, ironically trying to steal cattle so that he could get a cell next to Horn. They then devise a plan where Horn literally writes to Colbel on toilet paper. However, once the man gets out of jail, he gets really nervous that Colbel might actually have him killed once he's done with him, and instead he turns the story over to the newspaper, and he doesn't do anything. Probably the right decision. The Wyoming Legislature soon have a bill up for debate on the floor that tries to end capital punishment. Now, there hasn't been a big push to end capital punishment until after Tom Horn is convicted to be hung. It's a not-so-veiled attempt for the cattlemen trying to get Horn off
1: mm-hmm.
0: at the very last buy-him time. Horn does almost escape with another cattle hitman. Uh, they're even able to break into the gun safe and takes on the deputies with a gun. The deputy, unfortunately, has his safety on, or else he probably would have killed Horn right then. Horn, however, is caught relatively quick and is brought back to jail. The case even gets brought up to the Wyoming Supreme Court when finally the verdict is upheld, and Horn says, quote, All right, but by God, they are hanging an innocent man. In this case, it might be true. However, you have a couple dozen murders underneath your name, Tom. You're not a
1: guilty... You might, you might be innocent on this one, but you're definitely not innocent on the others.
0: No, you're, your hands are well dirty. During this time in jail, this is where he writes his autobiography, but he seems to not talk about much about his Wyoming days. Instead, he focuses on his Apache days and then his time in, in the war. The last attempt to get Horn acquitted is as soon as six days before his sentencing is about to be executed. But good news for Tom Horn. He's still going to be executed. But a man named James Julian is trying to make hanging just a little bit more humanitarian. He didn't want the executioner to be the one to drop the convict. So instead, he devises a plan Where the convict would step on a trap door in the gallows, and then underneath the platform would be a pressure plate that would, once the prisoner stepped on, it would start filling up uh, basically a container with water. Once the water basically hit a certain weight, it would knock out the plank underneath the convict, and the convict would drop. Therefore, no one is really executing him except for essentially himself. himself. Right. Sounds great in theory. It doesn't work, does it? <laughs> part, part of the problem, or part of the issue you have with hanging, is you're not trying to strangle them to death. And I'm sure everyone knows this, but just in case, you're not trying to strangle someone to death. You want an snap instant snap right? of the neck. Right. So in order to do so, there's kind of like this guide of, if you weigh this much, you need this much length of rope. And they're testing it, and they're so focused on building this gallows. And by the way, they're building this gallows outside of Horn's cell, like inside the jail, Horn is watching his own gallows being built. And there's even rumor that that rope that he's making in that picture is the rope that he used to be hung. I couldn't find my copy of the book really frustratingly. So I can't confirm that off the top of my head, but I'm 75% sure that's the case. But anyway, it turns out Horn may have dropped quite a bit of weight while he's in jail. Again, again, no yellow fever. He just dropped weight. He kind of had like a dad bod most of his most of his life, it seems like a little bit chunky, a little bit on the heavier side. Not fat, but just a little chunky. And again, they're so nervous about the gallows working, and they even do test drops of of it working, of it of the pressure plate working and it dropping. But again, when horn loses weight, it throws off the calculation on how long of the rope you need to have. So on the day of his execution, November 20th, 1903, it's 10 a.m. The town comes to a literal stop, and a large crowd gathers outside the jail. Many children actually skip school, specifically just to stand outside the jail, just for the moment. Even up to an hour before he's about to be hung, John Coble is allowed to visit First, Horn, and then he gets on the phone to plea with the governor to stop it. At 1045, Horn is called from his cell. Horn is supposedly calm and is even making small talks as the noose goes around his neck. At 1107, Horn steps on the gallow. His last words, you're not getting nervous, are you boys? From there, he steps on the platform and, less than, and then they start hearing water fill up from below. 31 seconds later horn drops but his neck doesn't break they have to check for a pulse for the next 16 minutes
1: so he strangled he was tortured 16 minutes yeah i thought i remember reading somewhere that during like a hanging didn't wasn't someone supposed to come and grab their legs from underneath mm.
0: and like pull i think have you seen black sails uh no Okay, there's a there's a scene in there where, yes, there is a moment where, yes, you come and grab their legs. You see, also see it in the first episode of Deadwood, um, where, yes, you grab their legs and kind of help that with them. Uh, it sounds like they couldn't really get a hold of Horn. Because, like, that gallows is meant to, like, be a 10-foot drop. Well, if it doesn't break your neck, he's kind of just hanging. And you're just there. sitting there, yeah. yeah. So... I'm not entirely sure why they didn't help pull on his leg, but yeah, sometimes you either like pull on them to break their neck uh, right away or uh, yeah, they just kind of helped. That's pretty cruel. Yes. Now, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. <laughs> wrongfully, wrongfully convicted. Yeah, of this murder. Anyway, that's Tom Horn and now we need to rank him.
1: Did they ever find out was it
0: confirmed that he killed him or did they just like drop it? Cause he was convicted. They still don't know. Now he was officially, I can't remember the date he was acquitted like within the last 30 years.
1: Really? Cause there yeah. wasn't what's not sufficient evidence. because well, it's,
0: it's pretty clear. Well, like when you think of it, there's a reason the fifth amendment exists and it was entrapment. It, it was entrapment the entire way. You can't get that confession these days.
1: I'm just curious because, uh, the, the shoe thing, he was a size eight, I six think, and a half are found.
0: Yeah. And if you think of it like he did that barefoot thing, um, he might have been talking out of his, his butt there. But that is- well, why would
1: he go from why would he go from? Well, I reckon the guy who did it did this because of this, to I did it. Killed him from so far away because it's a new world record because
0: if, because if he gets hired he's now get like okay he just admitted to murder so what he's committed a that's right i forgot i forgot murder. he
1: was looking to get hired it's a job interview to him mm-hmm. so of course you're gonna make you're gonna pump up your resume
0: right and that's just to me that's exactly how it reads and there's only
1: very few people that know what happened
0: yeah um and it's not tom horn but i mean i think it's pretty well hinted at that. It was Jim Miller. Like sounds like it was the rivalry with Kells. Nickel was pretty well established. It was kind of brewing. No, he could have never. No, Come on, the DA even said, yeah, the DA probably was like pushing him out the door. Like, no, 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 We have our guy. We have him go away. <laughs> I did something terrible.
1: Nope. No, you didn't.
0: No, no you, you didn't. didn't. No, nope. we'll talk later. We'll talk later. Shoving him out the door. We're not listening to you. So, now we must rank him. First round. Are you satisfied? This is our biography round. We will be handing out points negative ten to positive ten points apiece on how well we liked his story. And I'm not kidding you. Regardless of how we score him, people are going to be angry because he definitely has a following.
1: Clearly, this dude was a bad man.
0: Yes, a hitman for hire. Yes.
1: I don't I don't think he was as bad as Harden, though. No. Harden's still be uh, beep 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 beep, yes. beep So with that being said, he still did a lot of bad things.
0: Yes, he did. There are some good parts to his story. Oh, yeah. He was a, a good tracker. Like if you would just focus on his military career or like his army career, it's really good. It's just. I mean, there's and- no
1: denying that he was a good tracker. Correct. Like he worked. What age was it that he like became like one of the best ones? Nineteen twenty, right? 1920
0: yeah, nineteen twenty is when he moved to. well, that was when he moved to Arizona.
1: Um, overall, it was a pretty entertaining—well, not entertaining, but pretty, pretty interesting story. Especially that part. It's like uh, when you're watching a movie and then all of a sudden, just like for like thirty minutes, you're like, "Wait, what? Am I in the right movie still?" When mm-hmm. he moved from what Wyoming to it was Arizona, right? Yeah, the second time. <laughs> and then got involved in the war and then got what yellow fever?
0: Yeah, got yep. <laughs> and
1: then oh, back in Wyoming. Oh, back weird. Here. Yeah,
0: it's literally that fast. Like if if you would have told me that was just a cheap uh, dream in a bad movie, I would believe it. Um overall though, I think like
1: a negative seven and a half.
0: Seven and a half. Negative seven and a half. Negative seven point five. Negative 7.5 yeah i'm trying to think who else have you given the seven range you gave red cloud a six gave james bowie a negative six i think he's on par with james bowie as far as the story goes not much slavery but not that you know hitman for hire is much better but yeah i think seven and a half is a fair score i'm gonna go seven just so i can be a little different from you negative seven total score of negative 14.5 Next round. Be sure you are right. Then go ahead. This is our morality round. Where we'll be handing out negative ten points to positive ten points, depending on if we think he was a good egg or not. Matt,
1: I think he was a pretty good dude. Psych! Yeah, no I'm like, don't. damn, I lie. You know. Um, <laughs> it, it's funny though because I wonder. I wish there was a way to say how I how many of his stories were true. I'm sure. I'm sure it was. It's one of those cases of they every story he told was probably just embellished. Some of it was true. Definitely. I think we all know that guy.
0: We all know a Tom Horn type, like the time that just talk about themselves and boasts all the time.
1: Right. Yeah. The guy that you always are like, it's probably like, okay to be around. But after like 20 minutes, you're like, Oh, this is why I don't hang out with this guy. Right. Um, I think he was a bad person though. Um,
0: Yes, being a hitman for hire. Yeah. Sounds a lot cooler in the movies, doesn't it? Right. <laughs> in practice, it's really not okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to say like a negative eight. Negative eight. Who else? I like doing this a lot to see. You gave him a negative eight. Who else have you given negative eights to? Well, What did I give Bowie? Negative 10, but that was all slave uh, trade. Yeah. Uh, you gave Jesse James a negative nine and a half. I think Jesse James was worse. Yes, I agree with that. Uh you gave Billy the kid a positive seven. It's pretty close. On the other side, what about um, um, Harden? Oh, well, negative 10. 10, right? Negative yeah. ten. That was the easiest negative ten. Yeah. <laughs> Harden was negative negative ten for the first uh, three out of the first four rounds. Uh, you know, just to be different from you, I'm going to go negative seven point five. I mean, he he chose his job
1: <laughs> was to kill people,
0: right? And he and really- I mean,
1: he was going to kill people. Like uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but the his friend had to stop him. Tewksbury, yes. Yeah, like he was. I I feel like that was probably the point in his life when he was like, I'm just done. I'm done. I'm just right. going to start killing people. I don't even care. I'm not even going to try and drive them away.
0: Right. Well, it seems like he's so blinded by cattle rustlers. Once they once they stole his cattle, that was it. There was now no mercy. Everyone must die. That is so crazy too. Like his story would have been over. He would have yes. just
1: lived out a life. I mean, he, we can't say that it would have been. It would, he wouldn't have done anything violent, but it would have looked a like a completely
0: different story. He would have had a perfectly fine military career he would have served the united states military just fine because he was a big part in the apache like capture of geronimo it just he just wasn't the main translator and negotiator for geronimo
1: and he was kind of a a goofball with the the mexican army (laughs) yeah we're not for them we're for you we're taking everything (laughs) great
0: thing but before we get to that he does go up and he does play a family a form of peacekeeper he exposes himself he couldn't make himself any more of a target get shot i mean he got shot yeah he got shot on the arm trying to stop that's all really good stuff the stuff with sam Juan hill again it's again It almost feels to me like it didn't actually happen but like he did supply the army during its San Juan uh, during the San Juan Hill like that's if you know about the Spanish-American War you know Teddy Roosevelt and the San Juan Hill like that's that's what it and he was there he just wasn't a main component to it but he was kind of like in the background so it just he, he had a good military career and I think that's where people really hang up on him is there's parts of him you really like oh that's pretty good and then there's all of the murder and then he gets screwed on a trial. Like he has just bits of like Jesse James style story where he gets screwed just enough that he has sympathizers.
1: Right. Where you're almost like but then you got to
0: think, oh wait, no, never mind. Right. And I this might sound like a joke and I don't mean it to, but if you believe stealing cattle is worth killing someone, then you're okay with Tom Horn. Because I mean, you're trying to think that, well, the, the law isn't doing its job. You need to do something outside the law. It's just. What we also have to remember, though, is if he
1: wasn't there, if he wasn't if he wasn't a part of the murder that he was on trial for, he was a part of another one right. <laughs> that was going on. There's
0: plenty of other murders that are going to Wasn't happen.
1: killing a because he was out killing B. So, I mean,
0: what are we even doing
1: here? Judge, right.
0: come on. Now, it probably took a murder of a 14-year-old boy for there to be enough public motivation in order to convict him. Right, like if it was just another adult, another... Right. It probably wouldn't have ended in a conviction. But I think it's pretty clear he didn't do it. And even they acquitted him like 100 years later. And that,
1: ladies and gentlemen, is why you do not have a calling card. Right.
0: If he had it. there, is, debate. He had it. there is he There is debate. Because it. it seems like... He's not dumb. He loves talking about himself. He said, oh, that sweatshirt, I've been looking for that for a long time. Which, read the room, Tom. You're in your own, <laughs> own murder trial. <laughs> Even if it's your favorite sweatshirt, I just, I don't get it. So anyway. I'm surprised he didn't wear a shirt that said I did it to court, like, come It on. was me. <laughs> well, to be, he probably did think the entire time that he was going to get off. He'd gotten off for years. Right. Like I mean, decade.
1: they had his back, right?
0: Right. I just this was the murder. I mean, they won. tried to have
1: it till the very very end. I'm surprised he wouldn't I'm surprised he didn't turn
0: to try and get off somehow. He was just loyal. I mean I mean, think of it. If you do end up, I mean, you know you're working with cattlemen who are willing to hire hitmen. So if you turn yourself mm-hmm. over I mean, I mean <laughs> yeah. you know what's coming. Now you might be the king hitman, but Someone's going to get you.
1: This is a, and there's always someone that wants to take your spot, too.
0: Right. So And he wasn't the only hitman. Now, he's the only one we focus on. But there are other men for hire. When we talked about the pool of money being built up, that wasn't just for Tom Horn. It was just known. He's like the number one draft pick. But he's not the only draft pick.
1: It's like, who do we get? Tom, of course. Yeah,
0: Tom's the guy to do it. And if we don't do it, then it's Tom Hicks. And if he can't do it, it's Tom Hale. <laughs> then it's not know. Bill next round to hell with the consequences. This is where we're going to give him points on based off if he's crazy, negative 10 points, or if he's more clever, which would be 10 points and he's not crazy. Yeah. And he's not really that clever though. He's a good tracker. So I'll give him, I don't think I'm going to go negative in this round, which I guess is going to kind of hurt his score.
1: I think I'm going to do a three because I feel like he's so close to zero because I don't think he's crazy because obviously he was, it's not like he just walked around just blasting whoever.
0: No, he's not bloodthirsty. But yet. he's not Well, he's not really bloodthirsty. Clever because- he does he's a good tracker. You have to be clever to be a good tracker. Right.
1: And that's why I said like a uh, three. Positive three? Yeah. I think toward I mean, if anything, he's more of kind of an idiot.
0: He's a loudmouth. Because he's so full of himself. Like he can't help himself. He's so arrogant, yeah. Like you almost get this. Like in his trial, it had to have been the easiest thing to get him to talk. Like it was supposed to be the longest trial. <laughs> I just, I can't, I can't help but think like some of the prosecutors. Like, okay, Tom Horn is quiet today. How do we get him to talk? I think Tom Horn smells a whole lot. Tom, what do you have to say about that? <laughs> I think Tom Horn is a terrible shot and a terrible tracker. Tom, anything no, just look, to look at all the people I killed. Just look. <laughs> do yeah, you remember that's him. Okay. <laughs> And inside, like people have to cover his mouth to be like, Tom, don't you dare. You know what they're doing. You know, him the glance like, bro, don't say anything. You just get the picture of him like trying to hold back. And he just he can't help himself. There's too much credit to be given to him if he just admits to it. I'm going to go positive. hmm, I think positive three. I'll match you. Which will end up kind of hurting his score because he's definitely negative. So we are going to lock his score in negative. So right now he's sitting at negative 24 points. If he had been positive 24 points, we would keep adding on to his score. But because he's negative, we're going to continue to ne- uh, take, go- take points away from him. Our next round is draw. How screwed are Matt and I if we were in a duel with Tom Horn? We're going to be handing out points only this time from 0 to 10 and subtract that number away. I'm gonna say like a eight, seven, seven,
1: seven. It just Um, depends on what we did. Depends how close we are. Did we steal? I don't believe it was a good shot.
0: I don't know. That's so confusing. Did we take
1: anything from him? Did we take anything from him? Does he? Because then we're really screwed.
0: Yeah, I just that's what confuses me too. And i I wish I could find my copy of the book because it's like he's he's good shot he's a good shot he's a good shot but when they get to closer to the trial well he does shoot a lot of people at close range so maybe he's not as good of a shot as he says he is which i'll believe it i mean he would have told less lies <laughs> yeah i and then that was kind of like when he says the i shot him at 300 yards thing that was actually kind of used for him in the trial of Yeah, he's not that good of a shot, guys. I don't know what, like, that's a really good shot. He probably didn't take it. Um, I'm going to go negative five because I don't think I'm going to, I'm not much of a cattle wrestler myself, and I feel like unless I wrong the cattle ranchers, he has no reason to go after me. Because if you fight him one-on-one by yourself, he'll, like, pat you on the back. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to drop it down
1: to a six because I forgot if it was fisticuffs, man, he'd be screwed.
0: Yeah, he'd. we're winning. No, we're not. We're not winning.
1: <laughs> no, we're the first ones he beats. No, <laughs>
0: that's not surprising. All right. I'm negative five. You're negative six. That is a total score of negative 11. Next round, Legacy, how well known is he? Not very. He does have a Steve McQueen movie. Really, he does. Uh, is he the good guy in it? or Yes, best? yes, he is. <laughs> He's a good guy. Well, yes. It's also there's also I watched a really cheesy. It was like a made for TV movie from like the 1950s, and like almost nothing's right. Like almost they get like. Willie Nichols' name is in there. Tom Horn's name is in there, and that's about it. What is it, like a revenge tale or something? Um,
1: the people that stole his cattle kill like his wife and kid, or what?
0: Not even. It's Willie Nichols is murdered, and then they need to go find like they do like a random Native American hunt in the middle of it. It's on YouTube. Someone go look at it. It's Tom Horn movie. It's really cheap. It's like an hour long. Um, I I was half paying. How does it end? Uh, With him being on trial. (laughs) Really? Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think he's on the same route of John Wesley Harden. I think, yeah, John Wesley Harden, I think they're kind of that same category, unless he's kind of the second tier of names you know about. But once you get into Western history, he's he's definitely there. What are you thinking for a
1: score? I'm going to say, what did I do, Harden? was it a 5 -3 okay but hardman doesn't do, have a movie i'm going to do um 5 -5 five. you sold me on he has a following he does and i'm just and they're going to get mad at us
0: probably but <laughs> honestly uh people are going to get mad at us on this episode anyway because there's there's a lot that is confusing in his story because there's a lot of do we take his word for it this time and why aren't we taking his word for it? And it's it's very confusing to follow this man, mainly because he just doesn't shut up. He's got a lot of tall tales. Sure does a lot of windies. Mm-hmm. Death bonus. How cool do we like his story, his death story? We're going to be handing out bonus points between zero and two. And I, I do not like his death because it took sixteen minutes. You will talk about it though. He will be the man that had a horrible death. So I'm going to give him a point. Actually, I'm going to go negative 1.5 because if there's going to be a death I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about how I don't necessarily feel sorry for him.
1: (laughs) Uh, I'll do a half a point. Point 0.5. Negative. That's a terrible way to die, though. Oh, absolutely
0: miserable. Anyone else, I would... uh, I would deal. I would have some fierce sympathy, but for him, i Harden. I mean Harden can go mm, yeah. He was a shot in the back of the head though. Harden really wasn't uh a... Oh, I'm now looking at Harden's points. Uh oh, I screwed up on Harden's points, I'm just saying. I put positive one into his score. So Harden's new score
1: breaking news, breaking news. We stop your regularly scheduled program to bring you this score update.
0: Harden's new score is negative 89.5. Jesse James's score was negative 87.9. So Harden is now the new ultimate baddie. Dun, dun, dun. Because I entered positive one into his score and not negative one into his score. Whoopsie poopsie.
1: You heard it here, folks.
0: Well, anyway, I'm over it. He's on my team anyway, so it's whatever. Next round, Counting Coup. Confirmed-ish kills, and we're going to divide that number by 10 for bonus points. I think I mentioned this during the narrative. I think he said 12 or 13. That was when he was just with the Pinkertons. That was before he started becoming a murder friar. Uh, What, 20s? Uh, Possibly up to 36, but it is almost impossible to tell. The confirmed-ish kills that I found from True West Magazine... Is a disappointing seventeen. Wow, seventeen. So one point seven. I think so, unless you want because like seven, like a couple dozen. You just
1: really can't go off what he's saying.
0: No, so I'm fine with negative one point seven. Uh, seventeen is still quite the body count. I think he is the highest outside of Harden as far as as, as far as state. actual yeah. body count because we gave Jesse James sixteen, but that was because he was a soldier and we couldn't really track it down. And most of the other double digits scores is because they were soldiers and for the same reasons, which if you're just picking up this episode, we typically give 10 kills if you're a soldier or a general because it's really hard to track how many kills they actually had. So him having 17 is the highest uh, actual confirmed kills, double digits outside of hard. So with that said, his net, his total score is negative 48.7. He would have done better if, but we gave him positive points for to hell with the consequences, or else even if that's a zero, he would be negative 55. But negative 48 gives him, he is comparable to David Crockett, got a positive 46. And that's probably Daniel Boone, got a positive 39. So he's in that range, just on the batty side.
1: So now eric is going to grab his coin so we can flip it and i will call it and whoever wins they can choose to draft him on their team eric and i have both have a team consisting of 20 figures the rest of the figures will go into a free agent pool that we can draw from if we want to drop someone on our team and at the end of all of it we will have a Bracket style tournament to decide who is the ultimate hero or villain. So, Eric, whenever you're ready, go ahead and flip it. See if I can catch it this time. Heads. It is. Uh, I think that's heads.
0: Uh, Yes, it is.
1: Okay. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and take him. I thought so. (laughs) I think he is a goof. A murdering goof. <laughs> yep.
0: That's that's murdering silly, that's
1: silly rascal.
0: Tom Horn. He is now your eighth person on your team. And outside of me getting John Wesley Harden, you have all the baddies.
1: I have a feeling it's going to end up being <laughs> heroes versus villains in the final showdown.
0: But yeah, <laughs> I have John Wesley Harden. So, I have the ultimate baddie. I just keep him in a cage, like, locked up, shackled, Hannibal Lecter style. Let me out. Let me out, Clarice. Yes. To where, like, you have, you have, I mean, you have James Bowie. He has a big knife. I'm going to want to watch out for him. Jesse James, uh, I'm, I'm kind of scared of Jesse. Tom Horn, uh, are, how well are you going to pay Tom Horn? Because I'm scared. Yeah, you only have
1: to worry about him if you, um have some money. If I have some money to give you.
0: Anyway, that's all I had on Tom Horn.
1: If you liked what you heard today, go ahead and like and subscribe. Go ahead and leave us a review. That would help us out a lot. Also, we've said it a lot. We have a website. It is ranking76.wordpress.com. Go ahead and go there. We have links to all of our information, our Facebook page, our email, our Reddit, We have episodes up there. We have the scorecards. We have our teams. Go ahead and check that out again. It is ranking76.wordpress.com. And if you like the Facebook group, me, Eric, and I respond on that. You can comment all you want. We post pictures. We do a whole bunch of stuff.
0: That's it. I am Eric.
1: And I'm Matt. And we will see you next time.
0: Every time.